The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where you hit the bottom, to the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Alex from Pompeii, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, I'm Kim. My name's Rebecca. <laughs> Exit 13 Haunted House in Mount Morris, Michigan. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Bill Mosley, Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw 2 and Otis from The Devil's Rejects, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sid Hay from House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, uh, numerous other films. Done 76 of them. Yeah, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, all you crazy creatures out there. This is Ben Armstrong from Netherworld Haunted House. You're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. All right, Haunters. We've made it to the end of another year, and we've had some ups and downs in the haunt industry. And what better way to go over them for this last show of the year than with a big scary show ugly sweater party? That's right, and what a great way to get this party started than with Badger bringing you deadline news. Get that final information of the year. Be in the know on what's happening with everything going on in the industry. Meet Hook Jim brings us Between the Corpses, and he's going to talk about beers. That's right, bringing the spirits to the party. He's going to continue his segments about the booze and beers. And boy, are they some great neat ones he's got for us this episode. Speaking of great and neat, we're also going to hear from the old crone. She's got a wish list for Santa. Oh my. And I've done some investigating. I found all that Halloween stuff that didn't make it to the stores, and I'm going to tell you about it in Haunt Minute. Woohoo! 
the Roundtable of Terror this week really wraps things up, and what a great way to have an ugly swear party and a little discussion between the hosts. Then with Alex Lindbergh of HauntPay. He's going to go over their 2021 Haunt Industry Report. Some amazing insights of some of the things going on at haunts. You know, the different aspects, attitudes, what what they're doing, how many people, all kinds of great numbers, but broken down so it's more in the layman's terms. Right, Clark? And we've got some information on the gruesome giveaway. You don't want to miss that. Somebody's going to be happy this holiday. All this, much more, all coming to you right now on this Ugly Sweater Party Edition of Big Scary Show, episode 252. Now, the hour of horror approaches and the terror begins at midnight. Midnight, when the dead drink the blood of the living. Midnight, by the co-author of Night of the Living Dead. Now, don't miss John Russo's Midnight. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. If you have a weak stomach, don't come. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Midnight Syndicate, Krampus, on the Big Scary Show.
Hi folks, it's Drew Badger and this is Deadline News for episode 252. And as we wind down the end of the year, we're looking into 2022 and we're going to start off with this news from the Transworld pre-show tour going to Chicago. Hmm. On Tuesday, March 15th, join your fellow Transworld show attendees as they head up to the Windy City for a day of amazing haunt tours. You'll arrive in Chicago Tuesday night at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Rosemont, just north of Chicago, five minutes from O'Hare Airport. Then at 6.30 a.m. sharp on Wednesday morning, you'll set out to see some of the best haunts that Chicago has to offer. You also have the option to check in for the bus tour Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. at the Embassy Suites Hotel. You'll start the day at Hell's Gate Haunted House for a lights-on tour, complete with coffee and donuts. Then head out to Disturbia Haunted House, Massacre Haunted House, and Basement of the Dead Haunted House, in that order, all of whom will be doing their full show with actors just for you. Snacks, lunch, and dinner will be provided, and after the last haunt, you'll head to St. Louis, with the goal to be at the America Center in St. Louis by 10.30 p.m. Wednesday night. You get transportation, meals, and four fantastic attractions. Tourgoers will be able to pick up their HAA show badges and wristbands for both the bus tour and the show while at the Embassy Suites on Tuesday from 4 to 7 p.m. and Wednesday from 6 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. You'll get an opportunity to spend Tuesday afternoon slash evening enjoying Rosemont's many entertainment and dining options, all within walking distance of our two host hotels, the Doubletree and Embassy Suites. Early bird prices will go up after March 1st. Get more information at haashow.com slash haunt tour. We have this update on Tim Burton's live-action Wednesday Addams series coming soon to Netflix. This comes via BloodyDisgusting.com. Tim Burton is heading to the small screen with a new live-action series centered on Wednesday Addams coming soon from Netflix. The series, simply titled Wednesday, will follow the Addams Family character's spooky coming-of-age. Eight episodes have been ordered up by Netflix, and we've got a casting update. Laura Birch had recently joined the show's cast, but Deadline.com reports this week that Birch has now dropped out of the project for personal reasons. Interestingly, they note that Birch had completed a good deal of filming on the series, and her character is apparently being replaced with an entirely different character. Quote, I hear Birch had, film- had finished filming the bulk of her series' regular role as Tamara Novak, Wednesday's dorm mother, and the only normie on staff at Nevermore Academy, with a focus on all things botanical. The role will not be recast, with producers looking to add a new character to the show's first season. It is unclear whether the character will take over for Tamara and help close out her planned storyline with both of them coexisting on the show or whether the new character will replace Tamara and Birch's scenes will be reshot. Wednesday is described as a sleuthing, supernaturally infused mystery charting Wednesday Adams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. It's said to follow her attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, 
thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town and solved the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships. Alfred Goh and Miles Millar are writing and showrunning, and Tim Burton is directing. We have this from the Horrorville Horror and Paranormal Trade Show coming to Cocoa, Florida. Join us at the Space Coast Convention Center in Cocoa, Florida, January 22nd and 23rd for a weekend of celebrity guests, vendors, panel discussions, and so much more. Confirmed guests so far include Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, John Dugan, Alan Danziger, and William Vale from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Brian Bremer from Pumpkinhead, and many more. Be a part of our inaugural costume contest. It's fun for the whole family. Prizes will be awarded on both days with the top winner announced during the closing ceremonies on the last day. Thinking of getting hitched? Do it at the show! There's even, they're even holding a raffle for a chance to win a life-size Seed of Chucky doll that comes brand new in its original packaging. And Chucky will be on display at the Creature Workshop booth. Get tickets and more information at HorrorvilleCon.com. We have a little gaming news regarding the release of the horror adventure game Scorn. This comes to us via GamesRadar.com. Horror shooter game Score will now release in October 2022. Though developer Ebb Software stopped short of confirming a precise date, a new update added to the horror's kickstarting campaign states that the game has now hit 75% completion with CEO Lubomir Peklar, hope I got that right, confirming that December has been a pretty huge month for us here at Ebb Software to celebrate the release date well, month anyway, the team has shared an all-new trailer, which you can see on YouTube. I'd just like to give my deepest thanks to our community for your patience and our team here at Ebb, who have been working incredibly hard to put everything together. As we look ahead to the coming months, we will be focusing on completing the final 25% of the content, followed by bug fixing and getting the game ready for launch. We're very excited to get our game in players' hands and allow them to experience scorn for themselves. Ebb Software Community Manager Megna further added that the team, quote, wants to ensure that Scorn is, the, Scorn is the best game it can be, mysterious, deliciously dark, and oozing with atmosphere, with emphasis on the ooze, unquote. With that being said, the game will officially be launching in October. This, this additional time will allow the team to make sure the vision for Scorn comes to life in all its spine-chilling, nightmarish glory. We know that this means a longer wait, especially for our fantastic Kickstarter community who have been with us since the very beginning. Still, we're committed to making Scorn the best experience possible for our players and fans. Not familiar with Scorn? Developer Ebb Software shared 14 gore-soaked minutes of Scorn gameplay on Xbox Series X last summer, inspired by artists like H.R. Geeker and Zletislaw Bezinski. I hope I got that right again. The horror shooter is likely to be pretty bloody terrifying. It's currently expected to come to PC and Xbox Series X slash S. We have some news regarding classic Hammer films. This comes to us via iHorror.com. 
Hammer Films was a huge presence in horror. The catalog took on the monsters that Universal was working with and made them terrifying. They also introduced us to collaborations between legends, Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and John Carradine. The company is making a comeback thanks to a new partnership. This will bring restorations to their old films and also create new Hammer Films altogether. Hammer Films has partnered with UK's Network Distributing to create Hammer Studios Limited. The new venture will be led by Hammer CEO Simon Oakes, Network's Managing Director Tim Beddoes, and Network's Financial Director Jonathan Lack. This partnership is a really exciting opportunity to merge Hammer's amazing library with Network's infrastructure Whilst we work our way through restoring the entire back catalog for future generations' enjoyment, we are equally excited about the development of new productions from the Hammer canon, Beto said in a statement to Variety. Hammer Films goes all the way back to the 1930s, and during the 40s to the 1980s, the studio released roughly 150 films. A large number of those were the horror films that horror fans came to love. As normal, we will keep monitoring this story, and we'll bring you updates when we find out more. We have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Atlanta. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor Mark Holton to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Atlanta, happening February 26th through the 27th at the Sheraton Atlanta Hotel. Holton's professional breakthrough came with the role of Francis Buxton in the blockbuster comedy Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and he found further, ha- further fame as high school basketball player Chubby in the werewolf comedies Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2. His mainstream visibility grew with supporting roles in The Naked Gun, A League of Their Own, My Life, and Little Giants. His first leading film role came through the direct-to-video drama Gacy, in which he performed portrayed serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Holton retired from performing in the late 2000s, but returned to film acting in the made-for-television Leprechaun Returns, a direct sequel to the original cult comedy hit Leprechaun, reprising the role of Ozzy. You can get more tickets and info about Days of the Dead coming to Atlanta at daysofthedead.com. And finally, we have this news from the Haunted Trails Family Entertainment Game Center in Burbank, Illinois. Ring in 2022 at Chicago's greatest family New Year's Eve bash, Friday, December 31st from 8 p.m. to midnight. Enjoy great food and fun, plus welcome the new year with a special balloon drop, toast, and countdown celebration. Advanced reservations are required. Masks are required for this event. Seating is limited and early booking is recommended. Call 708-598-8580 or book online at hauntedtrailsburbank.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs>
This is a special haunt industry announcement. We are pleased to inform you of the 2022 Fear Expo, which is a live in-person trade show taking place at the Owensboro Convention Center in Owensboro, Kentucky. The show will start on January 21st, 2022 and end on January 23rd, 2022. This trade show promises to be highly interesting and informative, including three knowledge-filled days of haunt master classes and truly amazing haunt industry vendors from all over the country. You can also expect loads of fun with after-hour events, like the Friday night rock party with live bands and Mr. Hyde's alter ego costume bash on Saturday night. There will also be a nightmare networking session, a haunt tour, and more. Best news of all for the vendors, your first 10 by 10 booth is free, so it would be wise to plan ahead and lock in your space now. And for the haunt owners, admission is free if pre-ordered or $25 at the door. For more information, visit FearExpoLive.com. That's FearExpoLive.com. And ladies and gentlemen, it may be the month of December. It may be the time of year for gift giving and all that good stuff. So let's see if we can give away something here. It is time for the December gruesome giveaway sponsored by our wonderful friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. It is not too late to finish up your holiday shopping. Go to ScreamlineStudios.com. If you were listening to the show last, last show, I should say, uh, we did ask a question. We got, wow, we got about double the amount of people that normally answer or enter the contest. We selected a random person to see if they're the winner. I believe we have them on the phone now. Random caller. What is your name and where are you located? My name is Chris Geiger and I'm in Meridian, Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. Well, I don't think we've ever had a caller from Idaho, so that's fantastic. Chris, what do you do up there? Um, I just do uh, construction, town stone installation. Excellent. And uh, enjoy Halloween as well. All right. Do you work for a haunt or do anything like that? Or do you do like a big yard display or home haunt? No, I try to go to all the places around here anytime I can. But uh, I do do a little bit of a yard display. It's nothing nice. fancy. Well, maybe. maybe. Uh, fog machines and lights and all that good stuff. So Fantastic. Well, let's see if uh, Screamline Studios can get you something for next year that you might be able to use. Uh, before we find out if you're the winner, we do need to ask you a couple of quick legal questions. Question number one, have we contacted you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No. All right. Number two, have you tried to persuade us to pick your name out of all the entrants through various means of bribery or otherwise? All right. Well, Chris Geiger of Meridian, Idaho... I don't have the question in front of me, but let me paraphrase it. On the last show, we talked during Deadline News about the series Chucky, and the series creator, I believe Don Mancini, says he's planning or possibly thinking of taking Chucky to a very unusual place in the near future. Where was, or where is, that very unusual place? I believe it was Chucky might end up going to space. And that is absolutely correct. Chucky going to space. Well, Jason's done it. The Leprechaun's done it. Why the heck not have Chucky going in space? That might be kind of interesting. But uh, what's even better than that is, Christopher Geiger, you are the winner of the December gruesome giveaway. Congratulations. All right. Nice. 
Excellent. Uh, Chris, if you'll stay on the line here so we can get some shipping information from you. And uh, once again, you said you're a big Halloween fan. You do a yard display or anything like that. Do you have like a social media page for it or anything? Do like filming or walkthroughs and post it online? Um, I do have a just a cheesy one from I think this year and last year on YouTube. That's about it. I don't have a social media or anything other than that. Well, feel free to give it a plug if you like. Does it have a name? Um, let's see. What would it be? I think it's uh, Chris Krampus 2001 Halloween Complete Walkthrough on YouTube. Oh, very nice. Well, once again, we want to thank Chris Geiger of Meridian, Idaho. I believe he's the first winner we've had from the state of Idaho. You are the December Gruesome Giveaway winner, and we want to thank Screamline Studios for providing some great prizes. But we're going to kick it all back up again in 2022, and all the months there so if you didn't win this month be sure to listen carefully next month and enter the gruesome giveaway here on the big scary show broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth this is a haunt minute and now with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so for this holiday season, a big conundrum has shown up. And it's a win-win for us haunters. Because Christmas has come early. Or, really, Halloween has come late. You know all the supply chain issues they're having and we couldn't find anything on the stores for Halloween itself. We just thought that they are pushing stuff out early. But no, it was actually a supply chain issue. All the skeletons' neat costumes and decorations, which were supposed to be here for this Halloween, didn't get here. Didn't get here in time. Never showed up at all and just completely missing. Well, guess what, Haunters? They're showing up. That's right. Container ports now have the biggest problem and are full of big containers marked holiday, but it's not for your Christmas and New Year's holidays. No, it is all Halloween stuff. Halloween stuff is showing up in bulk, and they're not sure what to do with it. Do they liquidate it now? Do they warehouse it? Warehouse space really expensive right now. So, opportunity for haunters. Christmas comes early, Halloween comes late. That's right. As they're getting stuff, jumping things around, making sure to get the Christmas items out to the stores and your supply and everything. Yep, in a few weeks you're going to start seeing liquidation and this glut of Halloween stuff showing up. Skeletons everywhere. Yeah! Containers full of it. So get out to your local container port, see if they got auctions going on, and keep an eye on you know, your retail places, especially the online. You know, those Halloween clearance pages might suddenly fill up right after Christmas. What a great way to spend the holidays is hiding from your family and buying up all the neat Halloween stuff that you couldn't even get this year. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com.
Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as we wind down the end of 2021 of what has been a very interesting year for so many of us in the haunt industry and a lot of us not in the haunt industry, um, we kind of like to reflect back on the year that was and looking forward to the future and everything. And while we were mulling over some good topics for that, we got a very interesting email a couple of weeks ago from one of our very fine sponsors, HauntPay at HauntPay.com. Alex Linebrink sent us a letter saying, hey, guys, we have at HauntPay compiled a state of the industry report, and we were wondering if you'd be interested in talking about it. Well, of course, the light bulb just went up and we were like, oh, yes, this gives us a topic because this is somewhat of a slow time of year for coming up with some topics, but this sounds very, very interesting. So we made some phone calls and did some emails, and we now have the owner, I guess, CEO, Big Cheese at HauntPay, Alex Linebrink, with us to talk about the state of the haunt industry and all the cool things that HauntPay can do for you as a haunt owner or other. Alex, how are you, sir? I am doing great, Drew. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me as always here. Always glad to have you back on the show. We normally do interviews at conventions, and sometimes we've had you on a roundtable with other guests, but this is the first time I think we've done this by ourselves. Your company is based in Detroit, but you're down in beautiful Tampa, Florida, I understand. Yeah, I'm on the road right now and uh, getting some sun rays while down here. <laughs> work uh this one is not for uh pleasure you know but uh it's always good to uh, get out of uh, snowy detroit once in a while <laughs> at least a little bit during the winter yeah let me let me think here detroit in december versus tampa hmm. okay <laughs> no brainer there but yeah. let's bring in our other gahos here who no doubt have some questions about haunt pay up in rhode island which may or may not have snow by this point we have storm Oh, no, we don't have any snow. I just got planes landing out front because I got so many holiday lights on my lawn. But greetings. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Down in Cincinnati, sort of near where the tornadoes hit. We hope he's all right. Let's find out how's Meat Hook Jim doing tonight. Uh, Meat Hook Jim's doing fine. We did actually where I live, uh, which is just north of Cincinnati, nothing. We didn't get, we got nothing. I mean, good storm, but that was it. So I'm happy. Um, so, but we did have a little bit of snow last week. Oh, <laughs> lovely. And again, we do want to send our best wishes to those who are devastated by the tornadoes in Kentucky and, and other places. Cause that's basically right across the river from you. So, you know, if you're listening, man, we're thinking about you. 
And also down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we have the old crone. Not sure if the tornadoes were in that area, but we have Jonna. How are you? I am well. We had um, we had a nice little thunderstorm and we had like a tornado watch, but fortunately it went right over us. Um, northeast corner of Arkansas did have a nursing home that got hit. And I think mm. there was possibly two people who deceased there. Um, so Hmm. Arkansas, we got very lucky. Very good. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte. Last Saturday, I watched black clouds roll in, watched it turn dark in about 15 minutes. And we got about an inch of rain in about 30. So big Hmm. storms rolled through, but thankfully no tornadoes, but we're not here to talk about tornadoes. We're here to talk about haunt pay. Alex, for those people who've heard the ads on the show, that you may be a haunt owner, you may run another type of business that might need some kind of ticketing thing. Give us, in a nutshell, what haunt pay is all about. Ooh, yeah. I I love this Before we get into the meat of this. (laughs) (laughs) Always happy. Uh, Yeah, haunt pay, uh, we're a platform that powers scary, simple ticketing and payments, both online and at the door for over 1,000 haunted events and attractions every year. And uh, one of the coolest things about HauntPay that I can tell you is we're made for haunters, right? I, I grew up around haunted houses. My father's birthday was on Halloween. So we grew up putting on haunted yards and, and I worked at haunted houses and with them and all this uh, all that growing up. And uh, uh, always had a heart for this industry. Was going to Transworld and Midwest. I think I was at the first Midwest Haunters Convention way back when. Um, and, uh, I've always loved this stuff. And when we put this together, we started by interviewing haunters. And so we have a lot of features made for haunted attractions, but also we have a lot of fans of haunted attractions. We reached over 6 million people this year looking for haunted houses. Uh, and when they're searching in your area and you use HauntPay, we put you in front of them first. So hopefully get you some extra sales there too. So that's HauntPay in a nutshell, sign up, sell tickets online, sell tickets at the door, and we're going to help you find some more fans. We'll give you a chance to plug away at the end of this. Don't don't be too much of a cheerleader yet. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was fascinated when you sent me the email saying you've come up with this state of the industry. Now, this is not to be confused with the yeah. Haunted Attraction Association state of the industry that they talk about at Transworld every year, correct? Correct, yeah. Not, not affiliated with that, uh, but uh, hopefully also valuable. Okay. Now, I had a chance to look it over and, you know, I sent it off to the other hosts as well. I'm sure they had a chance to look it over. So for people who aren't that familiar with this, or maybe maybe some people have seen it, maybe some people have heard about it. Um, there's a lot of charts and a lot of graphs and a lot of, you know, pictures with pretty colors and all sorts of stuff. But um, what exactly and how exactly did this come about? What made you decide, let's do a state of the industry? Is it all based on ticket sales from HauntPay, or is it based on surveys, or is it based on you know, other things? Yeah, I mean, a great question. When we looked at this, we said uh, we would love to expose. We work with such a number of haunted attractions out there that we'd love to expose some of the information that we get. You know, Because we talk to over 1,000 haunt event and attraction owners every year, and, and you know, we get... The inside scoop from a lot of these guys, but you know, it's anecdotal when you're just passing that on. So we wanted to say, how can we consolidate this and give something that might be valuable for everyone to see? So we actually did a survey. So right now, all of this is based on a survey, but here's what's coming next. Uh, Everything that you see here, we're going to take that survey data, the next, uh, you know, uh, twist around this 
is we're going to start combining it with the data that we get off of HauntPay so you can see what people said that they that was going to happen versus what actually happened. And I think, you know, that'll be when it gets really interesting. So there's the next update that you're probably going to see in the springtime. So just hold on for that. You know, hopefully by Transworld, something like that, we'll, we'll have some of those updates where we consolidate some of the data. But what you see right now, if you go and download this uh, HauntPay Haunt Industry Report from HauntPay.com right now, you're going to see surveyed data. So just don't want to, you know, confuse that with actual data. This is from a survey that several hundred haunt owners have taken and uh, filled in. Um, not only haunt pay clients, a lot of other folks as well, uh, but they've taken this and and this is, you know, just based on those survey answers. Hmm. Perhaps you should get a hold of Spencer Terry, the president of the HAA, and and share this data with him before he does his state of the industry report. Always at Trans chat. Yeah, for sure. That's- very interesting. So these were not just haunt pay customers. Correct. Yeah, we we put this out to everyone. Uh, of of the answers, I mean, it was mostly haunt pay clients. I think it was around 80, 85 uh, percent when I looked at it that were haunt pay clients. So a lot, but a lot of haunted attractions are haunt pay clients too. <laughs> so our marketing power, imagine that our communication ability is a little bit uh, better, you know, uh, for our clients versus just the industry as a whole. But we had quite a few, uh, you know, we had several dozen that came in that were not haunt pay clients that filled out this uh, report as well. And, and it was great to have them as, uh, you know, part of the data set here. Interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't have the copy in front of me right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, what were some of the interesting trends or data that you didn't necessarily expect people to say that surprised you when you were compiling this data? Yeah, uh, I, I would say there are a few things that that are interesting to me. Um, before uh, we before people- yeah, let me, let me clarify this. Let me clarify this first. What were some of the categories that were asked that came up with surprising data? And what were some of the questions that were asked in the survey? I'm yeah, sorry, absolutely. Interrupted. No, no problem at all. Um, we certainly started with the general overview. What kind of attraction are you? We, you know, are you indoor versus outdoor? How, how does everything work where you're doing? Uh, how many employees do you have? So we tried to do a pretty broad overview, but then we got into the business side as well. You know, uh, what category, you know, represents your biggest revenue producer? Well, of course, ticket, you know, sales for most of that. But some of the numbers, the breakdowns are kind of interesting. How do you do your ticketing? What's your ticketing policy? Um, what are your ticketing prices? That sort of thing. And then we also got into, of course, you know, the effect of COVID-19, the, the effect of the pandemic on haunted attractions and what that perceived versus actual effect is. Um, and, you know, to round it off, you know, some various details about, you know, hey, do you use social media? What does that look like for you guys? So it's a little bit of, of those main categories, you know, just general info, business info, COVID info, and a little bit of the marketing, you know, side of things as well. Uh, but some interesting stuff in there for sure. And uh, and the, the question I asked previously, were there any things that were as expected or were there some things that really surprised you as far as some of the data that came out, especially regarding COVID? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, certainly there there was around the side of COVID. Uh, that that was you know one of the most um, uh, interesting ones, and and I, I don't know, almost a little little bit positive, more positive than I expected. I, you know, there's nothing I could say that's positive about COVID and the pandemic in, in general, but uh, we we did see that 35 percent 
of the, the people that were surveyed. And again, this survey took place before the 2021 season. Just keep that in mind for all of this data here. This was expectations going into the 2021 season, uh, but passed, you know, after the 2020 season. Uh, 35% said that the, uh, the pandemic did affect them, but it was actually a positive effect. That was really interesting to see. They actually saw more people come through their doors as a result of the pandemic. Um, and uh, about 15% said that it had no effect on them. So uh, that's 50% in total. O over half there actually said it was either a positive effect or no impact versus, I mean, you get the other side, just under 50% said that, yeah, it affected them, but it was a negative impact there. Uh, it, definitely more on the positive side than I expected, though, of course, we don't want to see any negative impact. So that was run uh, right off the fact that was kind of interesting there. And, and I assume that there were some that said, well, we just weren't open this year either in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2020, uh, you know, actually, there were a lot that said that they, you know, weren't open. Um, in fact, I can actually give you those numbers of the attractions that we had worked with in 2019. 28% uh, of those were not open in 2020. We actually did that math ahead of time, which was just really sad to see. When we actually surveyed folks, I don't know if we asked them that exact question. I'm, I'm trying to flip through real quick here. But uh, I, I do see that we saw that uh, approximately how many days was your haunt open in 2020? 51% um, of people said zero to 10, which seemed pretty low, especially when 51% uh, expected to be open 10 to 20 days, you know, so the next rung up uh, this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Alex, uh, did you see that um, the ones that did stay closed in 2020? Do you um, feel like they were the larger haunts that made it more difficult for social distancing and stuff versus smaller haunts? Because in my area, we have several haunted houses and the big two of the great big ones did not open, which was actually advantageous for me, a small one. because <laughs> It was easier for me to yeah. do social distancing, you know, because my crowds in general are smaller. I was just wondering if you noticed any um, any trend like that you know, with your survey. We did, you, you know, we did, uh, I, not really in the survey portion there, but what we actually saw in, in data, you know, several of our top 10 clients were, were not open, uh, in 2020. And it was exactly for those reasons. Like you said, they, they just weren't able to say that with the surety that they would be able to meet the local regulations. Um, and you know, some of them, you know, said they, they hated the regulations. Some of them said they loved them. It was kind of back and forth all over the place, but I think you're absolutely right. And I think it did positively affect the smaller haunts in those areas as well. Uh, overall across the board, the, the clients that were open from 2019 to 2020, their online ticket sales. So this is not necessarily combined ticket sales. Uh, we saw a jump of 35%, which is crazy to me. There were 30, the ones that stayed open from 2019 to 2020 saw a 30% jump now or 35% jump. Now, a lot of those decreased a little bit in 2021, but a lot of that increase was still there. I think it was still something like a 22% uh, increase that we saw in 2021 with, with the ones that we also had in 2019 when compared to 2019. And I would also say that most of the folks that had closed in 2020 uh, we're reopened in 2021, which was great. You know, this is postseason. I can I can tell you that. You know, this isn't part of the survey again, but that that was great. You know, uh, we were happy to have those folks back. 
but a few, you know, still stayed shut down and a few shut down for good. And we knew that that was a possibility and, and we were dreading it. And sure enough, you know, it did happen to some, but not most of the ones that shut down. Most of them did make it back. Excellent. I know that um, over the course of the last two seasons, so many people have moved into the concept of timed ticketing. That seems to be like one of the biggest jumps and biggest results of the pandemic mm-hmm. is that everybody's doing time ticketing. So you're not just, you know, sitting around or standing in line and things, which of course benefits a company like yours. But was that also reflected in the surveys that people who had never done time ticketing started doing it and then they've continued to do it over the last two years? A hundred percent, Drew. Yeah, that that was the biggest change that we have seen. So back in, let me see if I can find this number. Back in twenty nineteen. So of course, you know, pre pandemic here. Um, let me. I'm I'm just going to search real quick. I know I've got this here. Yeah, it looks like there were about twenty seven percent of our clients were doing time ticketing back in twenty nineteen. Uh, last year, twenty twenty, that was over eighty percent that we're wow. doing time ticketing. Now it did drop back down just a little bit in 2021. It dropped down to 76%, but obviously 76% is a whole lot closer to 80% than it is to 27%. So most of those said, Hey, this is working for us. And even when we don't necessarily have to have it in action, we know that our fans prefer having shorter lines, knowing when they're going to get in the gate, when we prefer knowing how many people are coming at what times, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's a positive thing for everybody there. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see more people doing time ticketing. It's it's a it's a great innovation that uh, helps everybody have a better experience. Yeah, Alex, do you think time ticketing is better than the VIP ticketing? I think that there's room for both. Uh, that's what I think, and I think that that's actually a really interesting you know uh, point there that you can utilize time ticketing to not only have a better forecast of what's going on at your haunted attraction, but you can also use it to draw in more revenue for your haunted attraction. So think about even the times that people are coming in or the days of the week, you can adjust uh, prices based on whether they're coming on a Saturday versus a Thursday when you're doing time ticketing, or even when they're coming at 10 PM or 9 PM or a busy time versus 7 PM. So you can try to force people earlier in the night or to those dead hours. If you do it by the hour or by the half hour, that sort of thing. And then there's also room for those VIP tickets to be able to use those and say, Hey, everybody normally has to pick a time ticket, but if you want to go straight to the line at any point in time, go ahead and grab a VIP ticket. We're just going to charge you you know, whatever you want to do 50% more, you know, a lot of people will do a setup where they'll normally have a, you know, a $28 ticket, but their VIP will be 40 bucks, 35 or 40 bucks, you know, so it'll be a healthy upgrade, which helps you draw in more revenue. And of course you want to limit that. Don't give unlimited VIP tickets. That's the, the worst thing that could happen is your VIPs stop being VIPs. Everybody has to get a VIP just to get through the door, but it can actually help you draw in more revenue and still keep that control as long as you're you have specific inventories and know how many VIPs you can accept in an hour or every night. Oops, I have actually seen that where um, the VIP line was just as long as the regular line. Yeah, and that can cause There was problems. a lot of uh, upset people <laughs> about that. Yep, yep. That could be a customer service nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof. I want to remind you, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. We're talking to Alex Linebrink of HauntPay, talking about the state of the industry report that he released a couple of weeks ago that is 
on the route to becoming a final report, hopefully by springtime. Along with our regular host, we're going to take a very short break here, and we'll be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror, talking with Alex Linebrink from our very fine sponsor, HauntPay, talking about the state of the industry report that he came out with and HauntPay in general. And during the break, Stormy said you had a question. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, looking over this report, I, I got to say one of the neat things is how visual it is. Because a, oh, a lot of owners and operators, you know, you, you hear report and you're just thinking, spreadsheets numbers paragraph analysis and stuff but this is a really neat visual uh type of thing i know some of the owners i've worked with in the past this would be something really awesome to present to them so any of our listeners no matter what aspect of the haunt you're involved in and especially vendors uh you definitely want to take a look at this and uh it's it's not going to take up too much of your time and it's not going to be a lot of uh, gobbledygook in there. There's a lot of neat visuals. One of the coolest visuals I'm looking at that really jumped out to me was when you asked a question, which category represents your biggest revenue producer? And, uh, you know, you'd expect it to be ticket sales, but 93% and merchandise, not even a blip on the radar. <laughs> which, which I found really interesting. Isn't that because crazy? We, we see so many haunts that will you know, really burn into merchandise to, to sell it. And I've always said, you know, be prepared to use yeah. it just as a marketing expense. And boy, does this does this show it there. But also, I mean, it shows that, you know, there's there's room to grow with concessions. So is this number unique for 2020? Or has this been a trend that you've seen with that question previously? Yeah, well, I, I can tell you, uh, we haven't asked these questions before. This is our first time throwing this oh, out okay. there. So that is one thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, that evolution uh, mm. through time. I can tell you, you know, from our experience, we are seeing more and more people uh, utilize what, what we call on our system upsells. And that could be for anything from, you know, it, it, it could be for any of these, honestly, it could be for a parking pass, it could be for concessions, it could be for merchandise, it could be for sponsorships. But more and more haunted attractions are utilizing upsells, utilizing bundles where you can bundle in tickets and maybe some other item, you know, a, a couple, you know, hot dogs or whatever, if you wanted concession credit, things like that. Um, so more and more uh, that's happening. In fact, 20% of our clients, uh, you know, actually uh, said in this survey that they were going to use bundles, uh, which made a lot of sense there. But um, yeah, I can't tell you, you know, merchandise, as you say, like I would have thought that that would have been way up here. It's just kind of buried in other right now. Concessions is far higher. Uh, sponsorships was higher there. 
And of course, ticket sales, 93%. But, you know, when you're a haunted attraction to say that, you know, it's your biggest revenue producer, 93% is kind of small. Uh, actually, <laughs> you know, it feels like 100% should be saying that or 99 or something. I will tell you, you know, one other part of this question, Storm, which might make it more interesting to you is this was an either or, it was not an and. So we were not asking people if they generated revenue through all of these different sources or how much revenue they generated. We just flat out asked them, what's your number one revenue okay. generator? So I think in the concessions and sponsorships, you're probably seeing a lot of nonprofit haunts there, you know, which might explain some of this. That's interesting. That that really ex explains the uh, chart uh, a little bit more too. I wasn't sure, um, you know, how that yeah. worked out there. If it was an either or, it was a percentage of what they thought with it. So, all right. So yeah, these are based on on pretty much the, the size. And speaking of which, that's the other uh, chart that that really jumped out to me was seeing how much of the responders and you know these are successful haunts, these are established haunts, have less than seven thousand attendees a year. Right. I mean, yeah, isn't that incredible? I, I mean, we really, you know, the, the numbers go up and there are, you know, 30, 40,000 uh, plus. But, you know, it, it's it, everybody refers to the bigger haunts. Well, it, it's the majority of the haunts are your five, six thousand dollar. I mean, your five, six thousand head attendees a year. And that makes a huge difference because if you're going mm -hmm. run capital and rebuild your haunt, you know, are you spending too much on it because you'll never chase down that revenue? And, yep. you know, can you target your uh, audience a little bit better with some of that? So this is a, a really great number and especially uh, a telling number for everybody who wants to get into haunting to find it out is. where they're going because they, they get into this place where, oh, yeah, I'm going to get 10000 the first year. No, no, you're not, especially looking at this. There is no way because you have established haunts that are there. So you can really realistically adjust and prepare a good business plan just by a feel of these numbers, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. uh, is that something, you know, that you see trending with some of the responses this year, you know, in the COVID, you know, th th that the size of the haunts responding has increased or decreased or just a few of it? Yeah, I mean, in general, I'm I'm right on your your side of things that this is surprising how how you know they're they're overall smaller uh, and and yeah, I mean this this data definitely is matched by what we're seeing in the actual ticket sales more than ever. Uh, more and more of our ticket sales are coming from um, smaller haunts. Now we have you know bigger haunts and we gain more bigger haunts every year too. But the majority of ticket sales, you know, the, the the number of ticket sales actually coming from the smaller haunts and the number of smaller haunts that are on our system there are going up, up and up. And so I think it, it does say something really interesting about the industry and that's that uh, it's open. Um, you know, I, I think the most interesting takeaway from this is that uh, more and more people are seeing haunted attractions as as a, a safe and family friendly, you know, way to have uh, entertainment, especially during that time of the year. So I think where a lot of entertainment in 2020, especially, and even 2021 was suffering, especially indoor entertainment because of the times, right? The pandemic is weird. Mm -hmm. uh, people were going to haunted attractions and that opened doors for smaller haunts that opened doors for, for all of them really. But that just means that there's more attendees to, to spread around. And the cool thing that we're already seeing from the 2020 changes in these trends is that they're sticking around. 
you know, more sales than ever went online and more sales are staying online. Uh, you know, more people doing time ticketing than ever before. More people are continuing to do time ticketing. And I think that's also going to be on the consumer side. More people are seeing haunted attractions as a, as a family-friendly, safe entertainment, you know, thing to do in the fall. And I think that's going to stick around. They're not going to forget that that was an opportunity, a safe and fun thing for them to do uh, last fall. It's going to stick around. It's going to be in the back of their mind. And that's going to be the first thing they think of this fall, this coming fall too. That's fantastic. The other thing I think that this number um, really shows is it validates the results of your survey. Uh, Because we all know the that one competition in town that absolutely lies with this type of thing that you know they're telling newspapers oh yeah i get twenty thousand people that come through (laughs) and you're like you're the same size of us you would have to be open 10 hours a day for 26 days in the month to get twenty thousand people Uh, you know you just being in the industry you know that that that's a wrong number and that they're exaggerating so i I do love that this chart really shows that the the people responded to your thing are honest and really care about the industry and giving you guys the right thing because it's one of the nightmares of any survey is people can respond whatever they want they can skew a number badly they absolutely can. Uh, that was one of the reasons that we wanted this to be, you know, an anonymous survey, that sort of thing. So that people weren't thinking that their name was going to be posted along with it or anything like that is having the highest number of ticket sales and, and it giving them any uh, cred. You know, yeah, some people certainly could have lied in this. But from what we were seeing on the numbers, this was very close to accurate. Of course, we weren't tracking it down to individual, you know, people that filled it out. But these, this is very close to the, the breakdown that we actually saw around there. Um, and so I think that anonymous, you know, idea there helped. Uh, people really do want to get good data. You know, I, I think that was the other cool thing. People that were filling this out actually took the time to put in accurate data because they want accurate data coming out. This is helpful to everyone uh, that that runs a haunted attraction, you know, that has questions about how these things work and how they compare to other folks. Uh, they want to know. And, and it's especially helpful when you know that you don't have to go to somebody else and ask them. You know that it's all anonymous there. Uh, so yeah, I think people are putting in good data because they want good data out. And we gave away some nice gift cards and stuff as uh, you know, uh, uh, some rewards to random people that filled this out and that sort of thing too. So I think that helps out too. But for the most part, I think it's just because people wanted to see the data at the end that they were willing to fill this out and put good data in. Yeah. I think one of the things you would see is the the reason you're marketing, the percentage of people doing marketing as in merchandise, that's Mm -hmm. what I meant, not marketing, merchandise, is as a small haunt owner, that's a scary investment. Yeah. Uh, Because to do enough t-shirts to sell at my haunt, you know, I'm putting out probably close to $1,000. That's Mm kind of hard to do not knowing whether or not you're going to sell them. Um, so merchandising is whenever you're looking at so many haunt, smaller haunts, um, merchandising is very difficult to do on that size of a haunt. So that's probably one of the reasons why that is so low. And there was some other point, but boy, I'm an old crone and I can't remember what it was. So never mind. It's a great point. I've, I've got over 235 black haunt t-shirts and a smattering of some that are other colors. I'm like, how are they not making huge money in merchandise? I mean, uh, yeah. Mainly because yeah. it's us buying them on tours in the off season for a discounted $5. Yeah. That that's, 
more accurate than I'm willing to admit at this point. <laughs> now, now I remember. Okay, now I remember my point. Okay, it, my other thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, I compare myself to the other haunts in this area, and I am mm. the smallest one. But the numbers were um, very enlightening as well as very encouraging to me to know that, Good. yes, I may be the small fish in the pond here, but in the ocean, there's a lot of small fish and we do great because we can swim in yeah. pools and, and be together. Um, so I found all of that very comforting and very, um, very useful information. And I really enjoyed um, perusing through those colorful charts and stuff. But I'm a little bit of a nerd, but, you know, um, <laughs> One of the things I wanted to bring up is um, ticket pricing, um, sure. because that was nice to see. I know where how I compare with the other haunts again in this area, because that's all who all the people I was comparing myself with. But um, I'm actually in a pretty good price point um, with the other small haunts. And that that was good to know that. Mm -hmm. But I do want to ask you, do you have. Um, any insight on how to set your ticket prices, your regular ticket prices versus your VIP and stuff? Because there's kind of an unspoken rule in the haunted attraction industry to do like $1 per minute that, you know, people are in the haunt or something. But that may be an old number that is not um, relevant now. I would love to hear your input on how to how to select your ticket prices, how to know when to go up. Or maybe when you need to come down and discount a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I love that. Uh, you know, that is something that we hear a lot of, you know, from people. Uh, we definitely have, you know, some general tips on it. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, uh, to supply and demand. It, it comes down to actual economics. You know, what, what are people willing to pay? And where does the mood change? So that is one thing that I can't really... If you're a haunter, uh, you'll understand this, but I can't really put it into the, a survey very well without making it super negative. The the uh, uh, the the attitude of people <laughs> is has been a little bit rougher, you know, uh, during the pandemic. Um, you know, some some people have been a little bit harder on uh, small businesses that that are out there, you know, and 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 working to make sure that they have good entertainment there. It's not across the the you know, it's not in every area, every region, uh, but you know, that's happening some places. And the other times that we've seen that before is when people raise their prices too fast. So you actually can see responses of your consumer base. Uh, if you start getting more complaints on a regular basis, it might be time to say, hey, let's slow down raising prices too much, or at least let's try to see if we can make them add-ons and provide the value. And that is the biggest thing I can suggest when you are raising prices for people. You also have to try to provide some extra value for them, whether it's the extra minutes that you're talking about, uh, in getting through that attraction, you know, and adding on a little bit there, whether it's adding a midway, whether it's, you know, a, a faster, you know, way to the front of the line, we will, I will tell you a lot of people that implemented time ticketing in the last couple of years took that as an opportunity to say, Hey, you should be paying $3 extra or $5 more, uh, to actually pick the time, you know, the day and the time that, that you're going to be going here. And, uh, and because that's easier on you as well. And it's it's weird, you know, so some people had the VIP ticket come anytime you want. Some people made their VIP tickets the ones that were time ticketing that they had to pick the time range that they were coming. Uh, we saw a, a, quite the variance on that. But uh, those are some things that hopefully might be a little bit helpful across the board. Unfortunately, there's no like 
there's no clear cut way. I love your idea of a dollar, you know, uh, a minute that goes through there. I think that that's still fairly accurate, but you know what? It changes when you're downtown Chicago or downtown New York versus when you're in a rural area versus the suburb and versus the competition that's around there too. We've seen competition in certain areas drive those prices down, you know, in different ways. Um, and people are able to stand out, you know, and charge more money when they do things that aren't time-based, you know, or, or are based on something else, you know, the quality of some part of the experience. So it's really hard to actually, you know, give you a, a fine-tuned thing there. But I, I hope that, you know, some of those ideas are, are kind of helpful in figuring some of that out there. Um, and and uh, as well, like, just to let you guys know, we do have a little bit of info up on our blog. We actually had a blog that we posted in July, I think, that was how much should I charge for tickets? Um, so that is one, John. I'd, I'd love to send that to you. And for anybody else that's looking, just go look uh, pricing on the HauntPay blog. Again, we're not going to give you a set you know, number that's there, but it talks through um, a, a ton of different ideas, you know, by calculating your costs, by seeing, you know, what the ticket prices are, similar attractions. Obviously, the cost side, you want to make sure you're making enough money to break even. Um, and then also ideas on splitting that up, because that is one thing that we did survey to bring it kind of back to the survey here. And not only the ticket price, but also kind of your pricing strategy, right? Like some people have a flat fee for every attraction. They might have three attractions or four different walkthroughs under one roof, one that's a maze, one that's a zombie paintball, one that's a you know walkthrough, whatever. They might have a bunch of different attractions and they might charge a flat fee for everything. That was actually the majority of our clients this year. 77.6% charged a flat fee for everything. 13.8% had a separate uh, admission for each attraction. And that's actually, that was steadily going down the flat fee, but it popped back up just a little bit last year. So if you want to keep up with the trends, know that that is something that's happening, but often you can charge a lesser fee for, you know, one attraction and then maybe smaller fees for the other ones to get to that fee that you need to, you know, make the extra two bucks a ticket or something like that, or per person. And that might help you achieve your goals while still appearing to other people to be cheaper. And in some instances, you actually are cheaper. But when they add on all the attractions, all of a sudden, they're paying a couple bucks more, you know, kind of like that, that, uh, you know, Amazon approach where they keep upselling you on different things and things like that, too. Yeah. So that's another idea to throw out there. Now, Alex, we are in the middle of the holiday season. And as has been growing for the last decade or so, a lot of off-season haunts are putting on Krampus and seasonal events, whether it's for Christmas or Valentine's Day or St. Patrick's Day or Arbor Day or, or any of those. Um, is any of this data from off-season events, or do you plan on doing surveys at off-season events to determine any trends for those? You know, I don't think we asked, we should have asked, you know, um, when all, when everybody is opening up throughout the rest of the year, but I don't believe we had that on there. I'm just skimming through real quick to see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember, you know, having that in our data set, but I will tell you, it's pretty easy to find our data set on that right now. It's, it's really hard to find it on, uh, on our stuff when you ask after the holiday. But if you go to hauntpay.com and click find a haunt, you know, just uh, the quick plug here, you can go to find a haunt and you can start scrolling through the different uh, haunted attractions that are there. And you can see, you know, I, I'm seeing at least looks like 40, 50, you know, that are doing off-season events right now. So it's a pretty decent number, a uh, decent number of attractions right now. And I will tell you over time, 
that number keeps growing. Um, it's still not a huge thing. Not everybody is doing that yet, uh, but it keeps growing and the ticket sales keep getting better and better and better. Uh, right now is by far the most we've ever seen for off-season haunted attractions uh, the, versus other you know, uh, Christmas holiday seasons. They're doing well, see- yeah. Are you seeing the prices differ from an off-season versus an on-season haunt? What they're charging in October, they might be charging less during Christmas or Valentine's Day? Yeah, uh, it, it generally less. Uh, this is kind of anecdotal from some that I've talked to. You know, This isn't on the survey, actually, but generally it's a little bit less with the exception of ones that do something really special. Once in a while, we see people take that as the opportunity to do their whatever, their full contact version of things that's limited to X number of people or their special dinner, you know, experience or something like that, that, that might, you know, warrant, it's probably a two hour experience, right? It might warrant having, you know, something else happening during that. So uh, that uh, outside of those ones, which actually are, are, adding the extra value i'd say in the for the most of them they're charging a little bit less but it's not a huge amount it's it's five dollars or less in difference there yeah okay. let me ask you a real quick question you you mentioned your find a haunt <clears throat> do you have to be a customer to list your haunt on on your um, find a haunt Side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the most part, that's, that's a great question. For the most part, yes. Uh, I will give you this exception, though, Jonna. If anybody ever wants to sign up on HauntPay, uh, they can do so for free at any time. And you can fill out an event page and put whatever information you want in there. It could be a link to someplace else, I suppose. Hmm. When you get the, uh, you know, you, you put the report out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but you said that you're going to compile these into a more final report by the spring. What What is the process for that? Yeah, well, we have numbers now from 2021. So uh, right now we are in the process of dissecting a lot of those numbers and trying to get some good data out of it, such as, you know, for instance, Storm's question, right? He was surprised that more wasn't totaled on the merchandise number there. And that was probably because the way we asked that question that, we said, what's your number one you know, revenue generator, not what are revenue generators of yours? And for most of them were tickets for number one. But uh, we will be able to actually tell you how much money people made off of merchandise. Of course, we're not going to tell you any individual attraction, but we can say overall, you know, X number of dollars of product sales versus, you know, ticket sales uh, across uh, all these haunted attractions that we worked with. We can say how many ticket sales were happening online on our platform versus at the door. We can break things down by some regions. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're kind of crunching some of that data down. We're getting ready to put it into another report that, that kind of looks at the comparison of, hey, what did people think was going to happen this year? And what actually happened? You know, how many people use time ticket? And I actually just gave you that number. It was 76% this year versus uh, uh, 55% actually said that they thought they were going to do time ticketing. 76% did, which was really interesting to me. Uh, but we'll, we can tell you data like that. Yeah. Is this going to be an annual survey or a biannual survey? Or do you plan on doing this again? Yeah, I, I think we will got to keep it going. Uh, the response has been great so far. We've had, you know, uh, well over 100 people at this point that have downloaded this. And, and uh, you know, I, th- I find that a valuable thing when more and more people keep downloading it. It's probably 
enjoying it. But let us know, you know, uh, if, if you guys find this valuable, we would love to hear from you, you know, send us a message, tweet us, something like that. We've had some people email us already, but we want to know how valuable it is to you. But as long as it's valuable and as long as people want to keep, you know, filling in the survey info uh, and that sort of thing, we will keep putting out those reports. And uh, I think we'll probably keep to a similar format in which, you know, we'll uh, do a, a survey you know, and we'll release those results, but then we'll also compare that with actual data and try to show it. So, you know, maybe two updates a year. We might condense it down to just one update a year that'll just show the last survey and you know, the current data type thing. But I think we want to be able to get both sides in whatever it takes, at least annually and hopefully biannually uh, there that uh, you, you're surveying people. You've got that data plus some of the, that actual what actually happened data. Storm, Jim, Jana, any other questions? Um, Alex, if you want to talk a little bit more about haunt pay and some of the things that, um, you know, operators can get out of that, like one of the big, big issues and things I'd run into is, you know, the fee, whether it be to a customer or to the, um, uh, the operation itself with the cost, you know, they'll always go, oh, I, I don't want to do online ticketing or time ticketing because that's a hassle and going with that. Uh, and then they'll, you know, process credit cards at the site too which is you know those fees are going up and you know mm -hmm. uh, I, I know when industry numbers came out this year a lot of people are taken aback that oh if you have a revenue of a hundred thousand dollars you're a large haunt well i mean even shown from your numbers most haunts are going to fall in that category if you're getting five thousand yep. people a season at twenty dollars uh, a ticket on average guess what? You're in that number. And when you're processing credit cards, that's also one of the magic numbers where those fees jump exponentially. Um, so yeah, is there benefits with that and also benefits with refunds? It's the biggest, scariest thing any operator has to deal with is refunds, whether, and so do you have yeah. any aspects of haunt pay that address those uh, couple of issues, the credit card payments and refunds? Yeah, great questions on both sides, uh, and and I hear you. You know, for a long time, a lot of haunted attractions were resistant to coming online, uh, but and and actually doing online ticket sales because of those credit card fees. And and uh, you know, in in general, we don't see those jumping at any specific dollar. If you're paying, you know, credit card fees and of any percent, it doesn't matter what the percent is. As the number of ticket sales go up, you know, the fees go up too. So what we do with OnPay, uh, by default, those fees are passed on to the customer. And what we found is generally the customer is A-OK -okay with paying that. They're actually used to paying that for other entertainment. So why not uh, pay it for haunted attractions as well? So you don't have any of those fees. Now, the fees that we do have there are some of the lowest around. You know, it's like half of what Eventbrite charges for, for uh, their service fees and that sort of thing. So they're very low. But... Um, those are by default passed on to the ticket purchaser in that process. So instead of, you know, you having to pay thousands of dollars out in fees, you know, if you've got a $10 ticket, the customer sees something like 1075 and, you know, uh, you still get your $10, whatever was listed on the ticket, as long as you leave the settings like that. If you don't like that, you can switch it up and you can absorb the fees too. But generally we just recommend passing that on because again, uh, we, we, the number of complaints is crazy low uh, that uh, we get on people that are frustrated with fees over time period there. When it comes to refunds, you know, that's another interesting thing there. Uh, so what we do with refunds is we basically leave it up to you. And in fact, we don't 
ever give anybody a refund unless uh, uh, they go to you first. We send them to the customer or to the, the event organizer. Sorry, we send the customers to the event organizer unless you've told us to go ahead and give X number of people a refund for their events or something like that. Now, that doesn't change the fact that, you know, you can get a credit card dispute and things like that. Those for you were the only I have never heard of another uh, uh, payment processor out there that fights credit card disputes for you. So if, it, if you ever get a charge back or a credit card dispute where somebody says, hey, I didn't authorize this charge or I didn't get what I paid for to their credit card company, we'll fight that for you and hopefully win it. Uh, but you know, if you ever need to give a refund, you can give that. And of course, the fees actually come from us. So since we collected on the transaction, if uh, there's a refund on a transaction, those fees are coming back out of our pocket uh, to make sure that that person is whole at the end of the day. So that's the nice thing there. And it's really easy to give a refund if you need to. Is that what they call a quote unquote convenience fee whenever you're buying tickets online? No, there's nothing convenient <laughs> about that. We don't call it a convenience fee. It's Not service. you guys. I'm talking about all the other people. You know, We have a convenience yeah, but... fee or a survey fee or a service fee or something like that. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Super frustrating. <laughs> Happens all the time. It's like 60 plus percent if you're on Ticketmaster, you know, so... If it's, you know, 75 cents on a $10 ticket or something like that, nobody notices uh, when it's passed on to them on our side. Yeah. Well, I, before we got started here, you mentioned a couple of things that seem to be trending in the industry right now. And one of them is virtual queues, not necessarily <laughs> only in the haunted attraction industry, but in other things too. What, what exactly is a virtual queue and how does haunt pay work with that? Yeah, the the uh, idea of virtual man. There's so much virtual stuff now, isn't there? Holy cow! Uh, <laughs> everything's got virtual in it. But I think this one makes sense. Instead of uh, waiting in line physically, you're waiting in line virtually, which means you don't have to stand there, you know, neck and neck with somebody else there. You know, just standing in line with your knees aching and your back aching from standing there too long. And of course, in the pandemic, a lot of people are pressed up against each other. You don't want to be in a line. You want to be out and about. You want to be moving about or waiting in your car or something. So we developed a system uh, for virtual queues. There are several out there now, but we developed one that's tied into our ticketing, which I, I think it, it has to be. If it's going to be an effective virtual queue, got to have people plugged in when they buy the tickets. And we let you, instead of uh, waiting in line, get a text message when it's your turn to go to the event. It's that straightforward. And it's free to all of our clients uh, that charge anything extra for the system. So it's kind of like, why not, you know, give it a try. Uh, it's out there. It does cost us a few cents to send those text messages and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, all in, we think it leads to a better experience and more people buying tickets to, uh, when they're able to wait in line. But here's the cool thing with virtual queues. They're going to survive well after the pandemic. And here's why. If somebody is standing in line, unless you have an amazing queue for your line that, that has, you know, vendors set up perfectly at every point in the queue. And unless you're Disney world, you probably don't have that. Uh, when somebody's standing in line, they're not spending money at your attraction. So if you have a midway, if you have midway games, if you have merchandise, like storm was talking about here, if you have concessions, uh, you probably want people roaming around and spending money at those things. And they're not doing that if they're waiting in line. So with a virtual queue, you can have them check in and it'll say, hey, you've got 45 minutes or so until you uh, are until you're going to be up. It'll actually give them an estimated wait time. 
Uh, feel free to roam our midway, go buy some concessions, et cetera, et cetera. And they have a chance to go over to that five minute escape room or go peruse the merchandise or go grab a, you know, a beer and a hot dog at your concession stand, whatever it is, spend more money at your attraction. And they're going to be less stressed out because they're not spending all that time waiting in line. Uh, so we love virtual queues. I think it's going to be around for the future. I think it makes things so much easier. Obviously, Disney and Universal do as well. They've been adding in virtual their newest attractions that have the longest lines. So if you want to ride the Velocicoaster, you have to use a virtual queue a lot of days at Universal. Or if you want to ride Rise of the Resistance in, in the Star Wars world at Disneyland or Disney World uh, and Disneyland, I guess you have to use a virtual queue system and wait in line that way. So we've just brought that you know technology that only Universal and Disney had before, only the big guys had, and we're letting everybody have it. How do they, um, like... If I have a gatekeeper, how, what am I using? Am I using a laptop? Am I using a tablet? Am I using my phone to text those customers? How does that, how does that? Yeah, happen? yeah. Great question. Anything with a internet browser and you are not, you know, manually sending a text message. You're just moving them. You're just clicking a button that says, Hey, I want the next five people in line. You know, so you just say, we're good to go. This uh, person has checked in and gone through. I want the next five people in line or 10 people or whatever you have it set to there. And you're going to do that on any web browser. So you can do that from your phone, uh, from your phone web browser. In fact, it works really great. That's kind of what I recommend. You can use a tablet. You can use a laptop. Uh, but I, I, like I said, I like a phone just because it's mobile, right? And so you can very easily just tap next, you know, on the list there and admit the next people. And then they're going to get that text message that says, hey, it's your turn. Come right up to the entrance. No need to wait. And come to the red flag or whatever you have pre-programmed in there to send to them. And it'll, uh, they'll, they'll be hopefully there within whatever amount of time you set. You can say, come in the next five to 10 minutes, something like that. So that works whether the customer purchases their line, um, their ticket online, or if they walk in and hand you cash, then you're collecting their, um, their phone, phone number. number and yeah. name and putting them into the queue. Cause I've been to restaurants that have done that. Um, yep, so exactly. It, it That's a great like comparison. Okay. Yeah. It works just like a restaurant. Uh, obviously if you book online, we can collect the phone number easier online. Uh, you know, it's already collected basically. Uh, if they're buying at the door, you have to type that phone number separately, but it, it's whatever. It's typing a phone number. It doesn't take that long. Um, another cool part of this, I will tell you, if you want it enabled, we have the ability to let people that purchased online check themselves in when they arrive at the event. So they can actually go back to their ticket email and say, hey, I'm at the event, check me in. And you can even set it so it checks to make sure their device is within a geographic location so that they're not trying to game the system and check in when they're 20 miles away or back at home before they take off for the event. Uh, you can actually have it you know, geo-fenced so that they can only check in when they're within a mile of your event. Of course, they have to allow you know location on their device for that to work properly and that sort of thing. But most people just say yes to that stuff. So it works pretty well. Okay. I, I got another question for you. Um, whenever people are purchasing their tickets online, they're mm -hmm. probably putting in a, an email or something. Do you guys mm -hmm. um, shoot those emails back to us so that we can use those for, per, you know, follow up, you know, later on for marketing purposes and stuff? 
Yeah, absolutely. Any data that we collect, you know, uh, short of the full credit card number you get access to and you can download at any time. We're going to hold on to it unless you delete your account. That's the only way, you know, that, that we ever delete that. So we hold so on we to that can, stuff so for we, you. So we can build a um, um, an email marketing list from those. 100%. And you can even ask other questions. If you want to do your own surveys, asking people, is this your first haunted attraction? Or, you know, how did you hear about us? Or, you know, what's your birthday month? Or what size shirt do you wear? You can ask those questions as well. And also, you know, save those for later for whatever marketing purposes you have. So that's kind of fun as well. Alex, I love the geo uh, part of it and being able to track that. Have you guys explored or have anything in there which would uh, track how long those customers are staying on site? <laughs> we do not yet. Not mm. at this point in time. That's that's not someplace we are yet with that. Uh, you know, the, I, I would say the best, you know, we can do there is we can tell you the check-in points, the check-in times of any event that you have set up. So if you have a bundle of three events, we can tell you when they checked in at each event. And sometimes that gets you some of that valuable data, especially if the last one, you know, if they have hmm. to do them in order or something like that. So you can kind of get there with that check-in data when those tickets are scanned. But yeah, we don't have anything that's actually, you know, uh, uh, recognizing their device fingerprint on Bluetooth or anything like that to follow them around. And I think we'd probably have to have a much thicker privacy policy if we did try to activate anything like that. You no, mentioned no, scanning point. a ticket. How do we scan their ticket? Do we have to have special equipment or... Is that something we could just do with our phones? Exactly. Your phone is the specialist equipment around. I mean, do you remember how bad it used to be just like 10 years ago? You know, <laughs> everybody's camera game has gone through the roof because you've got this crazy camera on your phone and it works amazingly well for scanning tickets. So we've got a free app you just download on any Android or iOS device. You can put it on your tablet too if you want. But you can use that to scan people in at the door. You can also, if they... Uh, if their ticket gets ripped or or didn't print out right or whatever, maybe they were going to show it on their phone and their phone screen is cracked or their battery runs out, you can look them up by name and you can check them in that way. Uh, just ask for the last three letters, uh, first three letters of their last name or something like that. And then also you can use our app to sell tickets at the door. We'll give you a free uh, mobile Bluetooth card reader, in fact, uh, when you're signing up there. So you can uh, do contactless card charges you can do the tap to pay with your card or apple pay or google pay or if you really you know have to touch it you can you know do the chip insert with the card reader as well but that also works with the mobile app i have a feeling john is going to be doing things a little bit differently next year as far as ticketing unfortunately <laughs> the decision's not 100 percent mine because of my business partner with that but i am definitely going to be uh putting some bugs in his ear awesome well thank you appreciate that <laughs> Jim, what about the haunt you worked at? They they didn't do time ticketing or use a company like this, did they? No, this time around they didn't. Uh, excuse me, it was a um, it was a city event that was put on uh, by the city of Obets, and it was like this big thing for everybody that lived in the town. Uh, but there has been talk about uh, possibly going pro either this year or next year this year coming or the following year. And if that's the case, then I am highly going to recommend haunt pay because not only has Alex been an awesome sponsor over the years, but he's got a quality product, which is very fair. And uh, I think it would just be a win-win situation for both. 
Uh, thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. We'd love to work with you. Any uh, any more questions? As yeah, just just one more. While you know, while we pick poor Alex's brain so much, uh, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the neat aspects we had mentioned a couple times tonight, which I think haunts you know can occasionally miss on, is the upsales. Is the haunt pay platform limited to just tickets, or can they purchase add-ons through that um, before, or after, or before or during their experience with the haunt? Oh man, of, of course you're, you're asking all the right questions, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it, Storm. Uh, so you can absolutely do upsells on our platform. You can do bundle sales uh, and, and that oh. goes for concessions, that goes for merchandise. Uh, you can do a credit for concessions that are at the door later and, and you can sell those things at the door as well. Tickets, merchandise and concessions, anything else you can dream of. Uh, donations, parking passes, we can handle it all there. Obviously tickets, is the most robust, you know, <laughs> functionality and feature set there. But anything you can put a, a price and an inventory quantity to and a name to, we can sell it. I, I love that you also bring up bundles because I think that's another spot that's missed off of, you know, in the industry, we mm -hmm. really stray away from, you know, your children's tickets and that type of thing. But I think some haunts might even be missing out on price points with like a family aspect. You know, where it's it'll, it'll get in, you know, if you're going to have a family of like four or five come, you know, two or three kids, what's the difference if they bring two more? Mm -hmm. You know, you're really not losing something. So if yeah. you had a family thing and you see that 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 aspect there, well, guess what? If they only have, you know, two or three kids, but little Bobby has his friend Davey who would go with you. Well, okay, now we're not shelling out another $30 just for Davey to come with us. And now you have Happy Davey who's going to tell the rest of his family and friends how much fun he had with Bobby and his family at the haunt. You got it. I, I think you're absolutely right there. We love bundles. We love buy one, get ones, you know, where people bring their friends. We love group discounts where, you know, you could show somebody that's already buying six tickets. Hey, you know, the price is a little bit less if you buy two more tickets here and call your buddy, you know, that sort of thing. I, I think those are all great ideas for, for helping people have a great time. And like you say, getting a bigger audience there. Yeah. Date night bundles, even coupon bundles. If you work with, you know, sponsors and they give you special yep. coupons and stuff, you can actually show that as a value to a type of bundle ticket. You know, hey, date night, here's two Absolutely. tickets, you save a couple bucks, and you're getting an appetizer to, you know, Johnny Rico's next door. Yeah. And and sometimes, honestly, we even see uh, haunted attractions in certain areas bundle up and co-sell, you know, their tickets in a bundle. And, and I think, honestly, the ones that are able to work together and cooperate uh, understand that, you know, the more people in the area that love haunted houses, the more business we're all going to get. And it, and it just helps them all out when they're they're less, you know, uh, uh, against each other and more working with each other, you know, to, to help the, the name for haunts in those areas. I think it helps everybody out. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Any final questions? Had three final questions, Badger. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> well, Alex, this is the part of the roundtable we love to call the plugs. And of course, for anybody interested, maybe they want to download a copy of this state of the industry report that you came out with, which is free, by the way, or want to know more yeah. about Haunt Pay, virtual queues, uh, time ticketing, anything Haunt Pay related, how can they get more information with websites, social medias, etc.? Haunt Pay. You can find where 
by just typing in HauntPay these days. So go to HauntPay.com, uh, go to Twitter.com slash HauntPay or at HauntPay, however you want to say it. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I don't think we have a TikTok yet. We should work on that one. But <laughs> just about any place else, we're there. If you go to HauntPay.com, it's going to pop up really fast and ask you, you know, hey, do you want to grab this industry report? If you don't see it right away, just scroll down just a little bit. and You should see buttons everywhere for it there. So it's pretty easy to get. And yeah, please download it. Let us know. Shoot us a tweet. You know, mention us on Twitter and say, uh, let us know if you liked it or hated it. Uh, if you have questions, you know, that you want us to answer, we, we'd love to answer those. And of course, you can always email us to uh, info at hauntpay.com or be directly alex at hauntpay.com. Always happy to hear from you. Well, Alex Linebrink of HauntPay, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. It's, it's been a very fine and lucrative sponsorship. We love the fact that you keep coming back with us every single year. We love the fact that you know you enjoy what we do for you and what you do for us and the industry in general. Once again, folks, hauntpay.com. And of course, we couldn't do this without our very good and very informed hosts, including Storm. You know, while we love time ticketing, you know where you're never going to have time ticketing? The Round Table of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Also want to thank Meat Hook Jim. That's because it's by invitation only. Point mm -hmm. there. Would also like to thank Jonna, a.k.a. the old crone. I've been telling everyone knowledge is power and uh, things like this that Alex does for us haunt owners uh, is great. So go out there and, and take a check on it and uh, learn what you can. And speaking of knowledge, I just want to give a shout out to my youngest daughter. She just got accepted into the third of five universities that she's applied for for next year. This was, the, of course, the most expensive one, but uh, she hasn't made a decision yet. And we're still waiting on the other two. So, you know, I just got to keep that checkbook handy. Yeah, this is on the scholarship the applications is what you're waiting yeah, on. Yeah, those, those two. This there you is go. the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. And now you know, and half the battle is knowing. Oh, man. <laughs> Alex, we're going to have to raise our rates for you. I've got, I've got college to pay for. <laughs> coming to a strip club near you drew badger <laughs> nobody wants to see that yes pay me not to appear at your club i'll start a gofundme for that worst only fans ever uh, that's, that's, great. Great. that's it princess trainwreck should do an only fans oh gosh <laughs> only have a fan like don't put ideas like that in my head, damn it. I'll sign, I'll, what, what I'll do is I'll sign everybody up on the mailing list, and unfortunately, yeah, it'll cost you to get off it. So I'll make a You're a genius, Jim, I love you. The only thing is there's probably a niche for that. <laughs> They're probably in Germany, if nothing else. Looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, 
bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts. And now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. Midnight Syndicate, up on the housetop, on the Big Scary Show. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are going to round out the top 21 beers of 2021, but you know, we're not going to stop there, I'm going to keep going, but let's not get ahead of ourselves, let's start with the top of my lists here for 2021. La Muerta from Freetail Brewing Company. It only seems appropriate to celebrate the start of Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, 
with a beer named La Muerta. Dia de los Muertos is a Mexican holiday that starts on Halloween and ends on November 2nd. Three days to better enjoy this beer, celebrate those dear ones still living and those that have passed on. La Muerta is a lush imperial stout, bringing flavors of roast chocolate and hints of smoke. The taste just might wake the dead. It is an imperial stout with an ABV of 8.9%. IBU is 55. What makes it special is the label art is fantastic. The Halloween pairing is dark chocolate almonds. Suggested glass is a snifter or mug, and it is a fall seasonal. Next on the list, Count Hopula from Santan Brewing Company in Chandler, Arizona. If vampires were repelled by hops, this is definitely the beer to be drinking this Halloween. Just think, you're sitting on the porch, it's dusk, and the shadows are beginning to lay heavy across the street. Suddenly, you see a shadowed movement flitting towards you. Before you can do anything to react, the creature has your head tilted back, about to sink his teeth, and then he sees what you're drinking. He pauses, respectively pulls your chair back onto its forelegs, and shakes your hand before dissolving back into the night. Count Hopula brings hop boldness to the fore with enough Simcoe hops to stuff a scarecrow, shots of caramel, and roast malt to give it some backbone. It is an Imperial Red IPA with an ABV of 9.1%. IBUs are 99. Hops are Simcoe. What makes it special, aged for 6 to 8 weeks, pours a deep red. Halloween pairing is oddly Starburst. Suggested, scla- suggested glass is a snifter, and its availability is fall. Very limited. And rounding out this round of Between the Corpses, Zombie Killer from Bee Nectar Meadery in Ferndale, Michigan. For those looking for something a little different but still Halloween-themed, this hard cider will give courage to any zombie hunter. It brings tart cherries, crisp cider, and a smooth sweet honey together like the best apocalyptic A-team. Watch out! you undead hordes, the zombie killer is coming. Nectar also has two other meads very much made for the Halloween season. Black Fang is a mead made with blackberries, clove, and orange zest, and Necromanconger is made with mango and black pepper, just in case you're facing something other than zombies. The style is a hard cider with an ABV of a mild 5.5%. What makes it special is cherries and honey. And the Halloween pairing is Cherry Jolly Ranchers. Not surprising. Suggested glass is a snifter and is available year-round. So this rounds it out for this episode of Spooky and Scary Beers on Between the Corpses. And we can't wait to see what 2022 brings. Catch you later. Haunted House Industry, and we are just getting started. From 
of seven corpses is more than a fear you can't explain, a fate you can't prevent, a death you can't escape. The House of Seven Corpses holds a deadly secret. You must see it to believe it. There are eight graves, seven bodies, one killer and he's already dead international amusement corporation presents the house of seven corpses rated pg parental guidance suggested death waits in the house of seven corpses come my little neophytes and sit by the fire it's time to ask the old crone. <laughs> Remember when you were a wee baron and your parents would sit you on Santa's lap and you would recite your Christmas wish list of toys and goodies? Then they would magically appear under the tree on Christmas morn. Well, that never happened in my witch's hut. My sisters and I would always get a new broom and a bottle of wolfsbane, whether we need it or not. But if I ever meet Santa, I have my haunter's Christmas wish list ready. First, wood screws that could never be stripped or bent. And perhaps a never-ending roll of black gorilla tape. A can of great stuff that could actually be used for a small project, sealed, and then used again later. More closets for all my skeletons, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> Enchanted fog juice that makes all of the guests want to come back with their friends over and over. Costumes that magically clean themselves every weekend. How about a locator beacon for all the staple guns? Actually, let's put a low jack on all of the scissors and drills and actors. Perhaps a trap door to drop all those rotten tweens in when they get mouthy with my actors. <laughs> and last but not least, more time to get everything done. Perhaps my list is a bit fanciful, but it's always fun to dream, isn't it? Oh, the fire is burning low. It's time to throw another Yule log on as I sip my cocoa. But before I go, I want to wish the Gahost, Badger, Meat Hook, Storm, and the Hot Rocker, and all of you listeners. A very Merry Christmas from the old crone. <laughs> Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, 
Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Midnight Syndicate, Parade of the Tin Soldiers, on The Big Scary Show.
to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenwine Studios Dark Imaginings Fright Finder Haunt Pay Creepy Collection and Von Caron Productions We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin Master of the Ether Muse as well as the four hosts, including Storm, Ranson Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. And finally, you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.